friends. Are you listening to CBJRadio.com yet? It's a free internet radio station, brand new shows every day. Shows range from hip-hop to rock to hard rock to all independent artist shows to a Friday night request show. And don't forget about retro Saturday nights. Make CBJ Radio the only internet radio station you listen to. Welcome to season two, folks. It makes me so happy to say that the show has lasted this long. It took a bit to get used to doing weekly interviews, sometimes two in a week. But after a while, I really started looking forward to the interviews. And I don't know what to do with myself when I don't have an interview during the week. Uh, It's really great just catching up with people and uh, listening to all these great stories. I have asked so many of my friends to be on the show. And you have heard, you know, the ones that have said yes. And a few have outright just said no. And there's a lot of my friends out there that just haven't gotten back to me. So if you're listening to me and I've contacted you uh, and you want to be on the show, get on the show. Get back to me. I want to talk to you. All right? There's lots of great stories to be told. Now, today's guest is Jeff Mack. And, well, you may know his voice, but not really know the man himself. Now, Jeff has been a public address announcer for many different teams and events, and it all started at a young age. We talk about life and what led Jeff into the field of being a public address announcer. Born and raised in the gym city of Laramie, Wyoming, July 7th, 1977, the uh, date that the McDonald's on Grand Avenue uh, first debuted. So I get uh, free Big Macs every uh, every birthday. That's awesome. That's very <laughs> awesome. I guess you have to be here to collect. Uh, yeah, that, that's the disclosure. I, I mean, I didn't even take advantage of it when I lived in Laramie, but. Yeah, I guess if I'm, I'm ever back there on July 7th and I, you know, I'll, I'll stop in, I'll get my Big Mac and I'll take a, I'll take a selfie with it. <laughs> I'll try around Jubilee Day, so it could, it could be a time to come back. Can come back, you know, everybody does the uh, LHS reunions and all that stuff. I don't know. Let's see. So 2025 would be my next time I'll be in Laramie. So gotcha. there we go. Gotcha. So were your parents, are they from Wyoming? How'd they get together? Are they and such? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, uh, my parents met when my dad went. Uh, uh, he was enlisted into the Army, okay. was stationed in Thailand during the Vietnam War. So uh, he met my mom uh, there. And so my mom was born and raised in Thailand. So that's the reason why I'm half Thai, half white. And, uh, uh they got married and my dad said, uh, I'm going to take you over to the United States, enjoy this, you know, American life and all that stuff. And so, um, that's, that's how that all began. But the, uh, the funny thing is my mom didn't know a lick of English when she moved from Thailand to here. So she stayed with my, uh, grandmother and grandfather, and they had a communication error, you know, talking with each other. She would just 
go ooh 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 like that and kind of point where where she wanted to go but the you know the cool thing is about that uh, this whole story is that uh, she's never seen snow and of course anybody that's grew up in the jungle or in thailand or somewhere else they they uh, first see um, you know something white and going oh that's cold i want to see and so she ooh, 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 and they pulled over one day and she got to touch snow and all that stuff it was kind of cool to hear my mom you know tell that story i was like going well you get to see a lot of snow now in, in laramie wyoming which is like yeah i see too much <laughs> so it's it was funny to hear that story i feel that because i'm from the west coast i'm from suburb oregon we didn't get uh-huh. i mean portland oregon we didn't get that much snow and yeah. so i'd always be dying for it and then i got my wish when i moved to <laughs> laramie wyoming and then some um, mm-hmm. yeah now it's just a hindrance i don't i sometimes i'm like oh it looks great if i didn't have to shovel and stuff like that i probably wouldn't hate it as much and i've skied and all i mean i used to race and everything so i like sure, it in sure. a way as long as it's not hindering my lifestyle and so oh, yeah yeah but i couldn't imagine because i mean even we got in oregon so i knew what it looked like and everything but that yes that would be quite the shocking scenario to roll into or to go from uh thailand to wyoming is mm-hmm. a is crazy like i felt like i was going to the moon moving from uh gresham oregon to laramie wyoming when i was 13 can't imagine right. halfway across and didn't speak the language I, I couldn't even imagine what your mom was going through luckily she had a lot of love for your dad there yeah. and, <laughs> luckily for all of us yeah but me and my brother i mean we're you know we, we're so many blessed of everything else and you know God rest her soul that my mom passed away. But, you know, the, the thing is, is that, you know, everybody has memories of every single thing. It doesn't matter if that person's still alive or passed away, whatever it is. But, you know, the greatest thing is just that, you know, you always keep the stories and everything else. You know, that's the reason why I always ask questions about yeah, where, where do you come from and all that. Just exactly what you're doing. You know, it's always fun to figure out or find, you know, some awesome story or you know something funny something sad it doesn't matter what it is and so it's it I, life is a journey and life is a story of itself so we love it yeah i mean that's a big reason why i wanted to do this um you know as we get older the memory starts to uh fade a little bit <laughs> and uh I, I would be around my friends and they'd tell their stories and i'd tell my stories of our lives and such and i was like these are fascinating we gotta we gotta put these to quote unquote tape i guess digital these days and uh, I want to do it face to face, but then we had pandemic. So next best technology. I'm very familiar with Zoom, which we use now, just the audio. I've been using mm-hmm. it for the last five, six years. So I'm very familiar with it. So it was easy yeah. to sit in front of it and do this. Uh, I'm used to sitting in meetings, not asking a lot of questions and such. Uh, but so, okay, you spoke of a brother. Uh, mm-hmm. what's, uh, older, younger, how's he fit in? Uh, older brother, six years apart. So, and also he was actually born in, uh, Thailand before you made the move over to, uh, to, to the States. So, um, yeah, he, he grew, well, he still grew up in Northern Wyoming. My uh, dad went back home to, uh, uh, Lovell, uh, Wyoming, uh, went to school to Powell, you know, did the community college then made its way to laramie so that he can uh finish out his education at the university of wyoming and that's he never left and so uh my brother you know went along with that journey and of course he was way 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 too young to you know experience from bangkok thailand to the states and all that stuff but you know um 
my brother and I are very close. And, you know, the cool thing was, is that even though six years apart, a lot of people are like going, oh man, that's, that's tough. That's really tough because anytime that I was in elementary school, he was in junior high. And when I got to junior high, he was in high school. And when I got to high school, he was already gone. So, I mean, I couldn't really follow in his footsteps, but, um, that's what really made us close is that, you know, I like what he, he was doing. So if he was watching MTV, I was watching MTV. If he liked Def Leppard, I liked Def Leppard. And uh, that's how I became such an 80s child on what was going on in uh, his life. And that impacted my life as well. So, um, and he is actually the reason why I got into public address announcing and because he was doing it um, when he got to high school. So he was doing football games and uh, basketball games and maybe in six years apart, I was like, oh man, I, I think that's the coolest. I want to do that. So when I uh, was a sophomore at Laramie High, uh, I asked, uh, I think it was Kim Sorensen at the time or, or uh, who, whoever the principal, vice principal, whoever was actually taking their, uh, care of athletics and said, Hey, my brother did the public address announcing. I want to do it. Is that okay? They said, yeah, absolutely. Probably better than your brother. And so uh, I took the uh, microphone, did the first game. And uh, the funny story of that is that I didn't want to do it. (laughs) I grabbed that mic. I'm like, "Mm, all right. I don't know how my brother did it, but I really don't want to do it. But the funny thing was that whoever was doing the scorebook gave me a huge nudge and said, it's your turn. And and out blurted ladies and gentlemen welcome to laramie high school gymnasium and the rest of his history so here we are 2021 i'm still doing public address announcing uh i understand the six years apart thing i have a sister who's six years older than me oh really and, yeah sometimes it feels ages apart i uh, decades apart sometimes it feels like we're really close um uh be it older sister younger brother yeah, I love the 80s probably because of her. Um, uh, I believe I like rap music because she didn't. That was the first breakaway from the, the the liking everything and wanting to do everything she wanted to do. Um, yeah, it was definitely Rochelle's little brother for a long time. She's the original <laughs> Rude. Uh, she got it named uh, when we were growing up in Oregon. She had a track coach that called her Rude because everybody shortens the last name. Right. And eventually he became my coach for football and he was like oh you're rude's little brother you're rude down i'm like i'm always her little brother and <laughs> or that situation and then we moved here there's no my older sister was in college by then there's just no shadow of her here i didn't mm-hmm. ask anybody to call me rude when i got here i thought uh, i'm not going to give myself my own nickname it'll work its way out organically and it did uh by yeah. the time i was like 10th grade or so uh, the last name Flaskroot is just so hard to say and you shorten it down. And you're like, you're rude. And I'm like, yep, that works. We're fine. We're good with that. Uh, <laughs> and I, was, I would, didn't tell people that I was called that earlier in life, but it happened. But I realized with my sister, when we're, we were close and everyone would see us growing up. They're like, oh, you're the best brother and sister combo. And then behind the scenes, she is kicking my ass and <laughs> until about sixth grade. And that's when like, she went off to college and I got bigger and, stronger and everything and i remember right. her coming back and she tried to push me down and it wasn't happening and <laughs> so uh and then the next time she tried to do that i was 18 and stronger than you know most guys in the football state and at the time and i 
picked her up with one hand and slammed her to the ground. And I was I almost did this thing where she used to hold me down and drool on me. And I almost did that. I don't know if your sibling did, did that, but uh, held me down and would like, like laugh or tickle me and then would drool on me. Oh, it was terrible. And so <laughs> it was my sweet revenge. I didn't do that to her. I just said, pay back as a bitch and then let her out. <laughs> nice guy like that. And she was about to get like, wasn't her wedding day, but it was right around there. So sure. uh, going to be a jerk about things, but yeah, I, I, having the older sister. And then I have a younger sister, 11 years younger than me. And I didn't oh, realize I was quite the, the role model that I was to her growing up, like quite the, and like, she tells me now. And I was like, I didn't realize I probably should have done things a little bit better, but uh, it, it was interesting. And we definitely had different childhoods because the six years, the 11 years, definitely by the time I was in college, my little sister was like 10 and, you know, mm -hmm. I'm even younger than that. And so um, now we're all closer. We spread out over the United States kind of, but now we're all closer and everything. And uh, it's interesting having the siblings and living in their shadows. Would you do live in your brother's shadow a ton? Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah of course. Just like how you, you were living it. Yeah. Um, and that, I think that's something that we both have in common is that, you know, you had an older sister six years uh, apart. I had an older brother six years apart. So, you know, yeah, it sounded like your sister was a little bit more, more worse to you than what my brother was. <laughs> you know, and, and you know, if someone says right now and says, Oh, yeah, I had an older sister six years apart and we got along just fine, you're lying through your teeth. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> there, there had to be some risks, and then there were risks between George and I, and you know, yeah. and it wasn't all the time, but we got along. And you know, when he got in, in, into college, it was I was really bummed out because I didn't have someone that I could hang out with. But we called him every Sunday when he went to college and college wouldn't work for him. So he went enlisted the army. But we did the Sunday thing and uh, we call him when he was in Fort Benning in Georgia. Uh, then he got stationed in Alaska every Sunday. You know, and it was always good to hear his voice. And this before, you know, the technology of right. video chats and Zoom calls and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it, it was just always good to hear the familiarity of his voice. And one thing that he was doing when he was in high school, he would grab the old um, uh, camcorder and just record stuff with his friends and do stuff like that. Well, he did that up in Alaska because none of us have been up in Alaska. We had uh, a cousin and an aunt up there, but we never made our way. And uh, so he borrowed a camcorder from one of his buddies in the barracks and he started filming you know, Fairbanks, Alaska, and it was, a, you know, the dead of summer and all that stuff. And so the cool thing about Alaska is that, especially in June, you get almost 24 hours of daylight. And so they were filming. It was like maybe 11 o'clock at night. And it was still, it's daylight. And I'm like, how is that? It's really cool. But, um, you know, getting back to it is that, you know, my brother wanted me to be a part of that. And that was his way of doing it grabbing the camcorder and of course for our family too my, my mom and dad being a part of it too because we all watched it as a family but um yeah that's how close that you know george and i have always been and to this day i mean it's just it's it's always good to have that you know brother brother bond you know like you and your sister you know yeah you always have that and that's something that everybody you know wishes that they could always have that uh, that strong bond so as a kid growing up, were you guys like into sports? Were you into reading a lot? Were you academics? Did you do plays and such? 
Yeah. Uh, well, uh, George was uh, very heavy in, into sports. Oh. And so he was doing baseball. I was doing baseball. He was doing gymnastics. I was doing gymnastics and uh-huh. it just kept, kept going. Uh, he excelled more than I did athletically uh, because he was uh, Larry Rangers. And of course, oh. the Rangers at that time, that's where he wanted to be uh, instead of um, the vigilantes. Um, and gymnastics, of course, he was on the high school team that was winning every single state tournament from here to Oxnard. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, he was gifted. He was very gifted. And I, I tried to be that way. And, you know, I, I got to the point where I think in junior high, me and gymnastics was like taking out the trash. And I was like, well, I'm all right, stop. We're done. I'm let's, let's not do any more stretches. I'm going to, I'm going to just go ahead and up and quit. And it was totally my decision. My dad was happy with it, whatever. Same thing with soccer. I did it all the way to high school. Then, you know, competitively, it just did, didn't make any sense to me. And I, I ended up doing golf and I was actually more excelled at there. I actually won a tournament in Wheatland when it was like 30 degrees outside. It was one of those, one of those things of like going, how, how did I win? But I had a parka. I had uh, these gloves that kept my hands warm, blah, 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 blah. And, um, but, you know, I took into golf. I took in, uh, of course, the public address announcing. I, I tried to do stuff that he wasn't doing besides a, a public address announcing. And, you know, that's, you know, I was in orchestra. You know, I just, I tried to do stuff that was just making me happy. And uh, that's where kind of George and I kind of, did different things and, and it was fine. And did you, did you fall in your uh, uh, sister's footsteps a little bit or did you do something different? She was, she is very academic. She's very good at that. <clears throat> uh, I was not left-handed. So I struggled. I didn't know a left-hander until probably middle school besides myself. So I'd have to mirror everything. So I was a step behind and all teachers really wanted to push me to be right-handed. My mom would fight with them about it. So it's, yeah. Oh, it went all the way away from just regular hand cursive spelling, stuff like that. My, and so I get teachers that my sister had and they're like, oh, you're not like her. And I'm like, mm-hmm. obviously, uh, she's a really good <laughs> athlete too, but different sports, uh, very good track athlete, basketball. Uh, I try track, um, not my thing at that time. I ended up doing high school later. Um, but at the time, like I was trying to do hurdles and stuff like that. I'm like, ah, no way. I'm a, I'm a, a weight guy, lineman kind of deal. So uh, that was different. Um, I played soccer. She, I don't think she played soccer. I played it till like sixth grade. And I always tell this story is I played all the way to sixth grade and I uh-huh. did it so I could watch cartoons. So that was the thing. All right. <laughs> and I was tired of missing the cartoons on Saturdays because of dumb soccer at the time. And I was good. I was an athlete. So I was good at it. I, and but I went to watch cartoons and then I got a wild hair and was like, no, I'll go out for wrestling. Fucking hated wrestling for three years. I can't believe I did it for that long. But, um, and, and then eventually like I ended up being a skier and a, and a football player. Um, definitely. I, since I'm kind of that middle kid, um, my parents are divorced. And so I'm the youngest on one side. Um, and then I have a stepsister. So I have three sisters. I'm the only boy. I did a lot of um, look at me, look at me, middle child things. Sure. And, and definitely was like, I, 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 looking back, I'm like, I lived in my sister's shadow too much. 
and made a big change in Laramie. But still, there'd be times like I was this. I don't know, she listens very much. I graduate <laughs> high school. She gets married. I graduate college. She has a kid. I was like, when am I going to actually have like that big moment? Like it was, it was interesting. We, I mean, we have that sibling rivalry for a long time and everything. And so I hope there's nothing out big that she's going to do me anytime soon and, and stuff like that. But it, it was always that middle child syndrome. I always say that because I was um, always trying to establish myself, my own identity for a long time. I didn't know about that. I was doing that until much later in life when you definitely self-reflect and everything and talking sure. about it in these podcasts I'm like oh yeah that makes sense now why i did what i did when i was younger and such um so public announcing in high school that mm -hmm. is that is pretty sweet i mean i've luckily i've heard you do announcing <laughs> much later probably in college and such and you're really good at it and now you make a living doing it so it's yeah. uh it's it's pretty sweet it's treated you well um, did you, like when you first started, were there, were there moments I do this terribly slaughtering of names? I think everybody does. Okay. Oh yeah. No, no. I mean, it's, I, I wish that the world was all named Joe Smith. That oh, yeah. would make it heck a lot easier, but yeah, you'll run into the use, you the oh. the Kumpos and, oh yeah, it, it's, it, it you're not alone rude i mean you're yeah. you are in a, a group of public address announcers or even announcers uh in radio tv it doesn't matter what kind of media it is it's you know you are gonna run across that one name two names three names and you're just like going okay i gotta write, write this phonetically or you gotta say this five times for me so i can i can learn it um and i i tried it seriously to this day, I still try to prepare myself for those names so I don't butcher it because I, I know their mom and dad's probably in the stands or, you know, and someone's going to hear it and say, oh, that public address announcer at the Memphis basketball game. Oh, but he's terrible and such. So, I mean, yeah, I'm and, and that goes along with the scripts, too, because you have to read certain things that you're like, how do you pronounce this guy's name that I'm going to be announcing at halftime? who got the purple heart, you know, and so it'd be a name that you just don't, don't know. And of course they write the scripts just like how they write the scripts, but they don't, the names that are, that are involved there. So proactively it's just preparedness. That's all that is. And, you know, it's the amount of years that I've, you know, poured into public address announcing it's, it, it takes that time, but at the other end too, it's just, you know, it takes preparation, just like anything else saying, you know, go into your radio show, go into uh, anything else, you know, what, what do you need to prepare and what, what's going to catch you off guard? That's all I have to do. It's just, you know, you know, stay ahead of the game. Yeah. I cover UFC in one of my radio shows and I have to watch it. I, mean, I try to watch as much as I can just so I can practice their names. So I can oh, hear yeah. the announcer say, it, and then I go, okay, if I say, it, but you, if you, if I don't, I'm not able to watch it. Oh my mm -hmm. God. I like have to try it's I try to do my prep work, but I'm like, sorry, folks, if I slaughter this guy's name way too much. Uh, I yeah. think I've got the ear for it, but it's not always perfect. Uh so in high school, did you think that like this public addressing, public announcing would lead to a future? No. Yeah, no. I what when it was my senior year, uh luckily state was in Laramie. So they had three venues. They had uh, the Plainsman Gym, 
out at LHS. They had the multi-purpose gym, which is I think still the UNIYO uh, gymnasium at the uh, at UWN, of course, the Arena Auditorium. Uh, also, no, they didn't have it. Excuse me. Yeah, they didn't have it at LHS uh, gymnasium. They actually had it in the field house. They actually brought in uh, the floor at the field house. I, I, I can't believe I, I forgot about that. But um, yeah, that's uh, I got invited. And I think there was a handful of uh, announcers to to take care of the games. I did like 12 games uh, that year. A um, couple in the field house. I want to say I did one in the multi-purpose gym, but uh, the that year I actually did, I think the 3A title game or, or the third, you know, constellation game uh, in the arena auditorium. So that was my first game ever doing a game in the arena auditorium. So that motivated me to go, well, that was kind of cool. And, you know, I could keep on doing this, but you know, it probably won't turn out to be anything. And the cool thing was it was like an open audition for the university where Steve Weakland, who uh, I think he's out in California. He was uh, uh, one of the um, uh, uh, media uh, uh, directors out there. And uh, he was listening to me and he said, yeah, what are you, uh, what are you doing next year? And I said, well, I'm probably gonna go to UW. And he goes, uh, do you want to be the uh, public address announcer for volleyball and women's basketball and soccer? I was like, sure. All right. So when without, you know, ever realizing I saying yes to something, uh, I was already signed on board for volleyball, women's soccer, and uh, uh, women's soccer started that first year too in '95. Uh, then, of course, when the winter came, uh, I was doing uh, women's basketball. So, um, ever since it just kind of steamrolled into something else, and it was uh, I was doing men's basketball. Then I did a game of football. Then I was doing track and field. Then I was doing tennis. I was, you, you name the sport, I did it. And, you know, I, I think there's a, there's a point in time where it's just like you, you know, you're, you, you can see yourself kind of envision yourself as doing something, but yeah, not really. But then it just kind of lands in your lap. You're like going, well, here I am running a show talking to, to my good old friends and, 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 you know, learning about their lives and everything else. And, you know, that's one thing you do, a, you do a great job of, of being on the radio and doing this, you know, the, uh, you know, that this type of radio and I'm, I'm calling it, you know, kind of doing the quotation uh, yeah. fingers, but um, yeah, you're, you're, you're dang good at it, you know, and that, I'm glad that I'm glad to see you, you know, proceeding that. Uh, well, I, was it was UW always the first choice of going to college? I think so. Okay. I, I mean, you kind of signed your life away when you're like, "Yeah, I'll do your uh, your public announcing," and I haven't even committed to UW yet. But sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I I, th I think that you know, there's in your class. Uh, when did you graduate? Ninety two. Ninety two. So I was ninety five. You're ninety two. Okay. You, let's let's play a poll here. Out of your class. And, and percentage-wise, because it's either yes or no, how many of your uh, friends and out of your student class, uh, senior student class, wanted to go somewhere else for college, or uh, you know, even leave Laramie or stay in Laramie? I think I want to say it was like seventy-five to twenty-five. Seventy-five people wanted to get out, twenty-five wanted to stay, and it was like 
I think, you know, if you gave like the two, the five years, you started seeing that 75 want to come back to Laramie. I don't know. How was it for you guys? Yeah, I believe I was one of those people that wanted to go. Um, I saw, <laughs> I, well, because I only lived here five years and right. wasn't necessarily the fan yet. My senior year was fun. So I was like, ah, I could stay here and go to college. But I, would, <laughs> I, I went out and sought my opportunities to get recruited and play football possibly. And every coach, I swear, recruited me, got me in person and was like, oh, I thought you were taller. And I was like, it ain't happening. There's no more, no more <laughs> inches coming this way. I don't feel it. I, I've been, I was the same height probably for like two years in a row. So I was like, I don't feel it. And luckily for me, uh, and uh, probably around your time too, is that uh, University of Wyoming accepted anybody with a Wyoming high school diploma. And so I could kind of weigh out all my options and be like, all right, I'm in. And my, my mom and stepdad worked there. So my mom was on top of it, making sure I got my stuff in in time to go sure. to Utah, but she wanted to make sure that's what I wanted to do. Um, it probably took me two years to be sold on like a fan of sports, a lot of things. Um, my head was definitely still in Oregon. I was definitely, I mean, I'd wear my Oregon stuff too. Wyoming game. Now, now, now I'm a huge Wyoming fan and season tickets. And when they Oregon and Wyoming played each other in football, I cheered for Wyoming both times, but I cheer for Oregon all, all, all the time. And so, uh, well, I was like, Wyoming signs my checks and they gave me a degree and like they've done well with my parents. There's like just too many things where I'm like, yeah, whatever, Wyoming. No, I'm a big fan of the university, big fan of education. Uh, just working in it, it right now is it gives me peace of mind. I worked in TV news for a little while and ugh, it was sucked. So did you <laughs> what did you major in college then? I well, I went for communications and yeah. Uh, it, which makes sense because of course you're in here. That's pretty much what you're doing. I ended up leaving after a year because the experience for me was not more education. It was more the college lifestyle. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, and that I, I, you know, in retrospect, I was like, Oh God, this is the thing. if you're going into college, you're going there for the education, doing all that stuff. Um, and you're, you're like, I just blew an opportunity. And so uh, I ended up, you know, leaving the university after that year in, in 96 and just basically finding any type of job that hands on. So I think at one point I had like five jobs, which was working at uh, radio at um, uh, Mix 105, uh, working at uh, Altitude Chop House Brewery as, as a host. I was at the Wyoming Territorial Prison. Uh, I mean, I was just a little bit of everything, but the greatest thing was is that I was doing all these jobs. So I was grabbing a little bit here of being a host, being gracious and you know welcoming people. I was at the uh, uh, Territorial Prison as a stuntman of uh, the gunslinger running away from kids because I'm the prisoner and you're going to lock me up in jail. Um, and of course the radio and that, that really launched me further to do more public address announcing. And of course I was already doing stuff at the university. So um, that being another job there, but the radio really made me, find more of a voice, I guess, because, you know, right, right now I'm talking to you, but when I was on radio, I found myself, you know, being faster. I was listening to other people. And before I knew it, it was like, you know, 
Mix 105.5 FM. Jeff Mack here. How are you doing? And I was like going, God, I said like a radio guy now. Oh, I, I better stop that. And I was trying to listen to some people. And so the cool thing was, is that Colorado, or well, Denver, uh, you had um, the Colorado Avalanche, you had the Colorado Rockies, you had the Denver Nuggets, you had all these teams uh, down there. And of course, they're all professional. And so you're, you're going, well, I want a professional voice. So I listened to those type of voices. And this is, you know, before uh, Alan Roach, who's very famously a, a very famous voice now, because he's done the Avalanche, he's done uh, the Rockies and uh, the, the Broncos, but of course, uh, you know, he's made his way to the Olympics. And so, um, uh, the, I don't even know the gentleman's voice, but when the avalanche were in town for the first couple of years, it was uh, just a, a Joe blow for me because he just had a regular voice. But when I heard him go, you know, starting in goal, number 33, Patrick, wow. And he just said it so naturally, but he's like, just guttural. I'm like, I like that. And I took, and I, uh, I listened to another guy. I took that when Alan Roach came, I was like, I can't emulate that deep bass tone, but I'm going to be as bassy as I can. And so, um, all the experiences that I was getting from Colorado, I started doing in Wyoming, doing it for the men's basketball team, for the women's basketball team. And trying to get my stature into whatever voice I would, you know, present itself. And so all of that, when you listen to anything I did back in Wyoming, that's, that's exactly what you hear. The funny thing is when you move to somewhere else, here I am in Memphis, it has a different style that I was hearing. It was very articulate uh it was special with uh his name is chuck roberts he was the guy that was doing the men's games and i was listening to him and just he was it was like butter but like a like a southerly butter voice and i was like going gosh you're really good that's you got a great voice uh rick trotter was doing the grizzlies um uh just african-american voice you know very memphis and everything else but you know he, he, City makes a noise for your Memphis Grizzlies, and you hear that you're like, I want to become a Grizzly, and you're listening to the Tigers. I want to be a Tiger, and before you knew it, I had more of a growl, and I didn't know I had a growl until I got here to Memphis, and then I was starting to go, all right, I'm going to take all of Alan Roach's stuff and all the stuff in Colorado and all that stuff, but I'm going to grab some Memphis here, and before you knew it. You know, everybody goes, gosh, you do have a little voice. You know, you, you sound like a couple of people. I said, that's the reason why, because I've taken so much of my experiences from Wyoming to here in Memphis and taken all the experiences from Memphis. Yeah, I understand having, uh, well, I doing the podcast, there's a few podcasters out there that I've listened to for so long that I love their style. And I try to incorporate a little bit here and there. Uh, Mark Maron is probably one that I first listened to. It's, see, it's so conversational. And then <laughs> Joe Rogan's kind of aggressiveness a little bit, a little opinion out there, a little bit. Like, uh, right. those are some guys I listen to a little bit. But like, I never thought I was a behind the TV guy, behind the camera guy. I was in the background. Um, gosh, if we had my audition tapes to do stuff in front of the camera back then, oh, they're terrible. I was just bad. <laughs> and uh, never saw myself doing anything like this. 
Uh, I liked making video. I was good at that. Shooting sports was great. It was fun. Um, I never thought I was going to be doing that. And I, uh, from high school to college, I thought I'd be in marketing or something. I was a DECA president. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, but next thing I know, it's that my, my stepdad is like, he ran UWTV and was just like, oh, intern for me. And he had me working for him. Uh, my senior high school, uh, I would go and carry uh, equipment for K2 um, during football games. And then I'd roll tape during coach show. Did not make me want to be a broadcasting major by any means. Neither of those things. I thought it was fun to go there uh, Saturday after I'd play Friday night football in Laramie and get my own little mini press conferences because I was a lineman and they never talked to us. And so like the, the reporters would go, oh, you play for Laramie. And they talk about when get a little candid after the game and such. So that was fun. Um, but never saw myself in that field. And next thing I know, my stepdad's like intern for me your freshman year. And yeah, I spent a lot of wasted time, not wasted time. I learned a lot in college, but not necessarily from college. And it took me, you know, six years to get it done. Um, I don't know if I could have taken the time away. Um, thankfully my parents bankrolled me, uh, for, <laughs> for five years. And I did the last, that's why it should have been five and a half, but I strung out that six year cause I had no idea what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. but um, I eventually, after knowing what people wanted on, on the other side of the camera, I became good in front of the camera sure. because I knew exactly what they're pointing at. They're talking to what they're worried about. And I, I'm more, I don't think like them, but yet I can be in front. And weirdly enough, I came back, I moved to New York, worked in TV news, came back and picked up a stupid habit, smoking cigarettes, quit that a while ago, but it gave me a bass voice. And I had this great bass voice going on. Um, I don't know if it's kind of gone away a little bit, but they noticed that. And I, next thing I do, I'm doing PSAs and, and, and stuff. And, and now I'm like, okay, I'll be in front of the camera. I'll do interviews. And, but the music, the DJ, the, this, um, or my radio station, I came from the DJ world of, I want one long song for three hours. Like I didn't want to talk on the mic. I didn't want to be like, shot, shot, shots or anything like that. That wasn't who I was. I was truly playing the music. And next thing I know, my buddy's like, I have a radio station. Um, Oh, I started working at KOCA. Okay. They needed just English speaking uh, shows. And so I became a, a DJ on that show but I didn't want to do everything I did when I was a DJ at the bars. And so I like a whole different genre of music. So I started a show that allowed me not to have to talk all the time. Like, you know, whatever you get, all the intro stuff, all the radio voices that come out of that. Um, I didn't want to be that guy. And, and I just wanted to play the music I liked. And it was so great to hear that kind of music, jam band music being played on the Laramie airwaves that normally wasn't happening. And that led us to, um, the internet radio station, my buddy Sergeant Sheridan, and now we're co-owners and this, and I work in it. I'm an it guy at the university. <laughs> well, I mean, that pays the bills, uh, weird road to get there from broadcasting from an assistant producer director to now a manager of classroom technology. Uh, I, when it's just experience and know-how, uh, I don't want to bore everybody with the internet, the it details of it all. But I would love to make a living with my voice, like you. Um, I think that would be fun. Um, but yet, I, when I did this, start this podcast or the radio shows, that wasn't the intention. It was just the, the creative outlet. Um, mm-hmm. I, uh, I knew I needed it in my life. Otherwise, I'd go crazy. 
And so like the bar, like Lovejoy's, which we'll get into that because you blazed that trail <laughs> before me. Um, it They stopped doing DJ and I was like, what am I going to do with myself? And I was moving to now this house that I own now and it's nowhere near bars. And I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do with my life? And then the radio station KOCA fell in my lap and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, more musical outlet, sweet. All right. And I not have an issue with not having a musical outlet. Like now I do four radio shows plus this, the radio shows. I'm like, I don't even know how to pick music anymore. Well, I do, but it's, <laughs> it's just second nature by now. Right. So I just talked about, I was a DJ at Lovejoy's. You kind of, you blaze a trail ahead of me. How'd you get to become a DJ at Lovejoy's? Well, yeah, you can actually thank the uh, folks at Mix 105 for doing that. Uh-huh. I, uh, his name's Sean Smith. And he was one of the DJs up at uh, Mix 105. And we knew everybody, you know, from Karen Robillard to Greg Smith and uh, the folks at Lovejoy's. And so, of course, we would frequent that because we were on Second and Grand, uh, right above the old Ken's Music Box. And um, so we would, you know, frequent that every lunch and, you know, sometimes after after work, you know, we have, have a couple waters down at uh, Lovejoy's, but um, uh, I think we talked, or and I say we as Mix 105, is that uh, I think they were trying to find something for, you know, Thursday nights, Friday nights, you know, what can you do to, to spice things up? Maybe we do a Mix 105 uh, a night and, and you guys just play 80s oh okay well all right well let's give that a shot and so um sean and um oh gosh i can't remember dc was his radio name i can't remember his actual name but we started playing 80s um uh on thursday nights and so that's how that started then uh, of course sean was older uh dc i think he left um we had dan mccarthy and uh, i brought him along but then it was just me i was like okay well i guess i'm playing every thursday night um so we were playing um 80s on thursday then we were playing other things because that was more of our college night anybody growing up in laramie thursday night was your night to go out and uh just you know let let it be you know it's just to enjoy your night uh, Friday, of course, was kind of like a recoup night. It was more live music. You had Dan Brain that would be down there at Love Joys and all that stuff. So it'd give me a, a night off. Uh, but you know, then we would recoup, and here we are Saturday nights. And then this happened later is that we were just kind of like a free for all, basically. Still, we get some uh, requests from our 80s, but they're like, going, well, we want to hear some rap. And I'm like, well, uh, let me see what I got here. <laughs> so we we had some modern music of course and we were actually playing stuff on friday nights uh, up at, uh, at mix 105 again just like how you were saying is that you know you wanted to broaden and you wanted to bring a different sound than what you were hearing on mix 105.5 which is your top 40 hits and you get to hear edwin mckean over and over again you get to hear smashwell over and over again it got oh and, th- and of course, the reason why is that it's all because of, you know, the uh, selling of commercials. You know, you want to get the person to listen to your radio station. So Top 40 was always, you know, the route to go because you can put in the background of your 
uh, of your work, whatever it is, or at school, um, then people would listen to your commercials. So it, you know, now in retrospect, I was like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. But as a kid, as a youngster, as a person, I was like going, well, I want to play, you know, something a little bit more, you know, not heavy metal, but you know, hard rock. I want to play. Uh, I want to play Jaw Rule. And of course, you're not getting any Jaw Rule in Laramie. It's just uh, like, I want to bring some culture in this in this uh, city. So, um, you know, it, it, it was great to have that, not just only being playing that, you know, on the radio, but being down at Lovejoy's was kind of fun because it was a starter bar. And, you know, you know this is just, you know, everybody started there and listen to all the music 11 o'clock 12 o'clock then you know they make their way to other bars but you know everybody you knew this everybody came to, to sit down or you know if you move the tables and everybody started dancing and all that stuff and so it, it made everybody just happy and i know that you made a lot of people happy because you know after i left it was you and it so you chris you. actually chris was <laughs> after after it was you oh, and yeah, me leger yeah but i mean i mean the torch kept passing and yeah. finally but you know the, the the thing was is that yeah we wanted to keep this going on as long as we could and of course it, it came to an end but i'm glad that you were part of it because that that was one thing i was like going yeah i want to keep on going even though i had nothing to do with anything else but i was like you know when i we would frequent the bar and, and we would go down to uh love joys to see you i was i secretly yeah and i'll admit it it was like i was glad to see you keep on doing it so (laughs) awesome well when you like i was djing parlor in the 90s or all around laramie let me just i ended at the parlor in 99 when i moved to new york right after that um Uh and so i moved back to laramie 2003 spending lots of money at love joys because it's a fun place to get those uh, waters and yeah. uh, I'm like, wow, I spent a lot of money here. So I was like, I'm gonna apply for a bouncer, look for bouncers. I was like, that's what you do. That's how I got into other bars. And next thing I know, would be DJs and such. So I get an application put it in and, and Kara's bartender is the manager. And she's like, you're a DJ, right? And I was like, yeah, it's been a couple of years, you know? And I go, honestly, my music taste has kind of changed. I really didn't have, I still had the DJ music, but it was like almost three years old. like. I was on to another genre of music and she's like, Oh, you're not a bouncer. You're our new DJ. And I was like, okay. And Chris was going to law school. So it was working out good for us. (laughs) And, and all she was like, just sit down and learn how to set up the equipment. I trust you from there. And I got better and it was fun. And like, I couldn't believe I would walk up and there'd be just a line down the block. And it was like 8.30. And I was like, uh, okay. And one of the coolest times was that Thursday nights, it was uh, $8 pictures of booze. Different right. combinations. And I walked through the door. I got my DJ equipment and my milk crate and all that. And all my friends, all the patrons, I walked under them holding pictures, like swords. like, And I was like, Usually at nine o'clock, I'd walk in and we'd have to kind of be chill, like people are still eating. I mean, it was, it was fine with me. I like to showcase a lot of different music before we got into all the dance stuff. And, mm-hmm. But I was like, oh, it's go time now. I guess we best, you know, start right now. And my 
I always called it the 11 o'clock song I would play. And that's was the change over time was uh-huh. stuck in the middle with you by Steelers wheel. If you heard that song, hold on to your butts. Cause the night's <laughs> about to take off. And, and that, and I was like, if I started the night with that song, then we're about to go off. Cause yeah, I'm mixing. I love playing eighties music, all sorts of stuff. And I would have patron, you know, customers walk up and, and they were eating and be like, here's 20 bucks for not like blowing our eardrums out and playing all that great, like classic rock and stuff. And I was like, see, I get you. Cause I was about roughly almost at the time, 10 years older than probably the crowd. And right. So, and so I was like, I get you that sit, want to sit here and eat and not be like just inundated with young kids and, and just want to hear some good music. And I relate. So it was sure. fun to, to get, I couldn't believe it took off so well. Uh, and then I left, I didn't leave. They, got rid of me after a year because we had too many issues because it was too good of a time there. And mm-hmm. I went over to the Buckhorn for a little bit and, and Lovejoy was, was like, we made a mistake, come back, come back. And eventually I did, but I had to come back and do karaoke. And it uh, was not one of my favorite things to do as a DJ um, mm-hmm. because you're not a big, you don't have enough big enough uh, supply of people that can sing and sure. in, in Laramie, or maybe you do now, I don't know, but <laughs> every time i'd run into it and it would just be torch and it's like seven more trips than i normally would have to take but anytime you came in and sang karaoke folks grunge song you just pick one and it was good to go well (laughs) i you know i'm stammered because it there was a time and I, I, I just don't drink anymore. It's just, yeah, I have a family and all that fun stuff. Yes. I would have some alcoholic beverages. And before I knew it, I was right in front of you. And I was like, Oh, what song should I do now? And I I think of course we always bring this one up. I might as well just get to is that, you know, Pearl jams, Jeremy actually was uh, Jared Petrino uh who eventually went to the uh, university and was helping out with the football team and um with uh sports information yada 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 uh he ended up being my uh, roommate for a bit but he loved pearl jam and so i was like oh, well what what pearl jam song do you want me to do and he said, do do jeremy i want to hear jeremy i was like okay so that's where the reason why i asked you that because i knew he'd be singing too but, you know, you get five, six beers in front of you and, and you're like, oh, OK, this is going to sound great and all that stuff. But after I got with Jeremy, I was looking at all of you guys go, that was awesome. And I was like, going, really? <laughs> was it that good? Um, yes. Yes. And so the, the, the great thing about you and I is that we really didn't have, you know, these smartphones that took really good video and <laughs> pictures and something of course you know, if you were doing pictures and video you had a camcorder and, and a, a, a canon you know to, <laughs> yeah. but um yeah i i i think you know just like how we were saying you know you make a good time out of something and so if you were doing karaoke i, I and i i could sense that you weren't really wanting to do it but i was like going okay well i'll make i'll make your night all right yeah go ahead and cue up this song and all that stuff so um yeah, it's, you know, again, you just want to make a party out of something and all that stuff. And I'll, I'll be I'll be glad to let you know I, I'm still doing karaoke. And I did it four years ago. I think uh, 
Juan Soto and I, he, he actually came here to uh, uh, Memphis and he worked with me at a sporting goods uh, 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 wholesaling company. And we had to go to Orlando. And so we went, um, you know, to do the show and all that stuff. But luckily I knew somebody at city walk at studios uh, of Lee Everett. Uh, Lee used to work at the territorial prison. He did all this stuff and all this. So he took his ingenuity and, and his learnings at the University of Wyoming doing theater and working at City Walk, which is just, a, if you've never been there, it's basically a city playground of different things. And so you have um, uh, the ESPN or ABC uh, Worldwide Sports. So you have... Um, um, Bob Marley's backyard that is modeled exactly after Bob Marley. It's just, it's, it's incredible. But the greatest thing was, is that they had a karaoke bar, but it was live band. And I was like, Oh, let's check this out. And so you took us, uh, every place that we went was backstage. And so we went to the upper decks. We went uh, backstage. We, I mean, we went everywhere. And so it was really cool. So uh, it was at night. We were done with our show. Um, again, alcoholic beverages were consumed, but, uh, we, I said, let's go back to that karaoke bar. Actually, Juan said that. And I was like, yeah, let's do that. Let's, let's listen to some people. And so, um, Lee came over to me and said, yeah, um, they can play anything. Actually, the guy who's playing the guitar, he's from Knoxville and they, uh, they call him pick because he can pick anything that you, you want him to play. I was like, Oh, that's really cool. What is he like? He goes, ACDC, loves ACDC. I was like, I want to hear an ACDC song. So I wrote down, You Shook Me All Night Long by ACDC. And he goes, well, what else you want? I said, um, I don't know, Sweet Caroline. And I put that down. And so Lee took the what I wrote down backstage. And they, they were taking a break. I was like, yeah, right. You know, I, I want to hear this. And so all of a sudden they get from their break. I said, yeah, we want to bring up Jeff Mack. Jeff, Matt, come on up. We got, we got some ACDC for you. I'm like, oh, no. No, God, no. Oh, all right. So I make my way upstage, and uh, they hand me the mic. And it's, it's still, you, you give me a mic, I'm still nervous of anything. But, of course, you know, I had liquid courage going through me. Everything was just fine and dandy. And uh, I did not do a great job of Brian. Um, oh, so, yeah, uh, and... <laughs> I tried to do my best growl of uh, ACDC voice and then, you know, what blurred out was blurred out, but I think I did more dancing and all that stuff. But the thing was in secretly, and I was like going, you know what? I really want to see this, this guy play some ACDC. He was in the pocket, man. He was playing every single note and all that stuff. It was, I mean, it might as well been Angus Young, but he was awesome. It was great. I'm, you know, I made Lee and uh, Juan's night. And I think I made everybody's night because everybody was like going, oh, that was awesome. All that going. I'm glad you guys <laughs> enjoyed it. But, you know, I got to meet Pick and, you know, I, I haven't met him ever since. But we took a picture and all that stuff. But, you know, hey, you, again, going back at it, you know, you make you make it all worthwhile. You want to make sure everybody has fun. And you you did. You did an awesome job when, you know, I was gone. And of course, everybody came. It's it, that's what it's all about. If you're going to have fun, you're going to go down to Love Joyce Bar and Grill, go see Rude, DJ Rude, excuse me. And, um, yeah, I, I, it's just awesome how everything becomes a circle and, it, and, and the torch, you know, keeps going. 
uh, Kara actually gave me the DJ Rude monocle. I was just Rude, who happened to be a DJ in the 90s. That was just, people knew me as. I never gave myself DJ Rude. She advertised me in the branding iron. And so I pick up the branding iron. And I was like, oh, I'm on tonight, DJ Rude. And I was like, I walk up to her and she's like, is that okay? And I was like, yeah, I just didn't have a DJ name. It made total sense. But I was <laughs> like, okay, that's cool. And, uh, but I was never given any thought in the nineties when I was DJing, I was rude and I happened to be a DJ at the parlor or DJ wherever it was at, but I never gave myself like you're tonight, you're here. And so, and so I just wasn't that way. It was, that was interesting like that. And, but with karaoke, uh, interesting enough, I always say people butcher a lot of songs, including myself, um, <laughs> two singers I looked forward to you and ironically enough another asian lady but she was a classically trained singer really you so would pick out these songs that the bar didn't know at all but uh-huh. it was awesome and i would just be like like <laughs> it's going crazy and, and you know nobody else was that cool i mean and so i was like okay there she is there's jeff all right i'm gonna be, at least get two songs tonight that i cannot just want to rip my ears off uh-huh. so but I think they knew that too after a while. And they're like, nah, no more karaoke. And I was like, thank you. Uh-huh. Um, if it was permanently fixed somewhere up there, I probably would have been more okay with it. But I got tired of carrying the stuff after a while. And then there was, oh, it was a power struggle because they brought me back and they're like, we want you to be the DJ and this other guy host. And next thing I know, he's like taking over the mic a ton and people were dancing when I'd be DJing, but then he'd come out and sing with, bad song you know and i was just like oh you're ruining the moment <laughs> and so then maybe that's what i got a more bitter about that one i can't remember where it was or anything like that but i was just like okay and so once karaoke was gone it was much funner uh yeah you speak of memphis a couple times now how did you get from laramie wyoming to memphis <laughs> well it's all about a girl right uh so in 96 no excuse me uh 0506 took a sabbatical from the University of Wyoming was at Ashley Furniture Home Store out of all things and um, lo and behold we get a phone call from the uh, the phone of course and uh, all the salespeople uh, which I was the salesperson uh, everybody was busy and usually when the phone rings that means that that's sale it's you know just common. And get the phone and said, well, Jeff, I mean, if you're noticing it, go ahead and pick it up. And I was like, all right, I'll do it. So I pick it up and I hear the most angelic Southern voice I've ever heard. I was like, oh, I'm helping you out. All right. Hey, how you doing? So um, lo and behold, it turns out to be uh, my future wife. And uh, she was making her way from Memphis to Wyoming, her um uh, a professor in chemistry said, go to Wyoming. That's where I got my PhD. You'll enjoy it. You'll, you'll have a blast, you know, just laid it on her and said, all right, well, I'll go to Wyoming then. So that's what brought her here. Uh, I ended up selling her furniture. Uh, I ended up getting back to the university of Wyoming that ne- uh, next fall semester. So um, I ended up getting her digits and in a professional sales manner. I, I told her, I said, uh, I got your cell phone number, but you know, here's my cell phone number. 
call me if you have any issues when you get your get into town, get your furniture and all that stuff. But I'm going back to the University of Wyoming uh, and be a part of their marketing team and announcing. And so I didn't hear anything from her. And then finally I do. And, you know, I was like, oh, hey, yeah, uh, you got your furniture. Great. That's awesome. Um, then um, she would call again and she might have had an issue, whatever it was. But I was like going... I better seize this moment now before it, you know, I might lose this girl or whatever. So I said, all right, I'm just going to ask this, you know, as a token of saying, welcome to Laramie. Can I take you out to dinner? No, not, nothing else. Just go out to dinner. She goes, yeah, I think that'd be great. And so uh, I took her out to guess where love joys barn girl. And um, we were just going to have dinner, take her home. That's it. We ended up being at Lovejoy's for at least four hours. I think we went to dinner like six or seven. And we, I mean, it was like 10 o'clock or something like that. I was like, um, you probably need to get back to your apartment so that you can get ready for school next morning. So, but I mean, we just talked about everything, you know, just a sweet girl and all that stuff. And, um, um, you know, a couple of weeks, uh, you know, passed before I knew it and we were dating and, um, you know, and just kind of fast forwarding things is that, you know, she, uh, uh, you know, she went through two years of cold and hell. It was actually like negative 20, um, back in those days and all that stuff. And of course from Memphis, they don't experience that at all. And she's like, uh, I, I think I'm going to get my master's in chemistry. And I'm going to head back home. I was like, I don't blame you. She goes, well, if you want to continue this little relationship, you better find yourself down here in Memphis. I said, all right, well, Give me a year. Let me say goodbye to everybody. And um, hopefully I can land a job in, in a job frozen, you know, market because that's when the recession hit. But, uh, you know, luckily um, ended up at um, AT&T retail, uh, slinging phones and other other things there and uh, made my move in 09. And um, uh, I popped the question to her and uh, uh was it 08, 09? I think it was during a, a Christmas and uh, in uh, 2010 is when we uh, eventually got married. But yeah, it's, I was actually just thinking about this uh, earlier today, how, how we, um, Jennifer and I met because we just uh, celebrated our 11th anniversary on Saturday. So it's just, it's, it's awesome. I, I do miss Wyoming. And I think, you know, my uh, in-laws and all my uh, cousins, everybody else is saying, hey, you miss Wyoming? I say, yeah, of course. Everybody misses home, but this is home. You know, Memphis is truly home, and I, I don't see us ever leaving just because her family's here, and, you know, this is this is home for her. And uh, for our kids, I have a, a six-year-old going on seven uh, with uh, Grayson, and uh, my daughter Lydia is just, I, you know, you see yourself in a – in whatever city that may be and in the setting and the home and um and their schools and everything else we we just love it here so but yeah you know, jennifer and i were just extremely happy of how we our story of how we met and uh in in where we live today well well earlier in the interview we only use the audio but i see the video uh one of your kids snuck by i saw their little head in the background oh there That's you go hey grayson and yeah. uh <laughs> and uh he yeah i was like hey little, little head i that's why you might have saw me like smiling big so i was like i thought he's gonna do more but uh so 
how are they handling, I guess, the pandemic? Like, well, uh, school online and all that. Oh, yeah, you got the face. <laughs> well, you know, the, the pandemic, I actually start with myself because it, it will lead up to them is that um, uh, when March hit last year and, of course, the Rudy Gobert of that happened, that really triggered everything else. So, um, yeah, the that's when of course everybody kind of had to you know check themselves at, at work you know how, how's work going to be and all that well the thing was is that we didn't want our kids being in school and you know, we had Lydia in daycare we had Grayson at uh, a school called Briarcrest Christian School and eventually they turn into uh, virtual uh, learning pretty quickly at Grayson School at uh, uh, Lydia School it's, it's just straight up daycare but you know still pretty safe for all we can tell. So, we, you know, the kids were going to school in, in some sort of capacity, uh, in, including Grayson. But um, at one point, it was like going, uh, we don't want our kids there at all. And so luckily, uh, the place I was working at, there was like going, well, if you need to take care of your kids because they're going to go virtual, you go ahead and do it. But, you know, work from home. All right, great. I can do that. So I worked from home while taking care of Grayson's virtual learning and um, eventually taking care of my, uh, well, two-year-old at, at, the, at the time, Lydia. So I'm taking care of two kids um, and there were troopers, but they didn't, of course, you ask any kid what was going on, they don't understand it. They really, and, um, but, you know, eventually, you know, I, my wife was working, so, and she works for a family company. So it's hard for her to get the time off. I could get the time off. Don't worry about a thing. I got it. Um, but, uh, unfortunately come end of, uh, April, um, I was brought into work. They said, well, uh, can you come into work on Monday? I said, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it, we'll make arrangements for uh, our kids. Um, well, we'll find, you know, whatever avenues that we can do of either a babysitter or whoever, uh, but yeah, I can come on a Monday and they brought me in a Monday and they uh, terminated me. And so um, with actually no reason I asked them, I was like, is because I was working at home? And it's like, no. Uh, is it because um, my work habit? Because I, of course, I was doing everything I could do. Oh, no, it's not that. I was like, oh, what is it? They didn't tell me. So I was like going, well, I guess it was COVID. Uh, and so we, we in, ended up calling it a COVID release basically, but it was a termination under, under all um, uh, intensive purposes, uh, what they gave me. So that, which was a blessing because I had to take care of these kids with my wife now working, but it took me, you know, a couple, uh, I think a month and a half to get my uh, feet landed at a, a place that uh, does office wholesale, which I actually, they did more than that. They uh, were finding, all the COVID items, uh, the disinfectant wipes, the aerosols and stuff like that, that people couldn't get. So I was helping out their operations team and still doing it to, to, the, uh, to this day. And um, it actually was a good transition uh, into a, a different type of company. It wasn't doing sports anymore, was, you know, again, helping the greater good. But going back to the kids is that, you know, they're troopers. Uh, they're, they've done well. Um, Grayson's now in first grade and, and he, we actually had to go virtual, um, two, three weeks ago because we had 10 feet of snow, 10 feet. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it just, uh, if it was 10 feet, it would be, we would be back in Laramie, Wyoming. Um, but, um, 
other than that, I mean, it's, you know, it, it, kids will be kids and kids don't understand anything. And I think it will be kind of cool here in about 10 years. I'll talk to Grayson and say, Grace, I remember being six years old and this whole uh, COVID-19 and he'll go, I don't even know it. Well, I, we learned that in, in history. And I was like, going, yeah, yeah, you learned that in history and you've lived history that day. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. It, it, weird. Yeah, I bet. It, I mean, so many different things. I mean, I, I asked out of every parent about how, how did you take being home with kids or did someone take up that role and, and such, I don't have any children. So I didn't have to think about that. I ended up at home for maybe a month or two, but then we decided we got money from the cares act to make all our classrooms more hybrid, have video like zoom and stuff in the classrooms, cameras and such, which I said in 2010, we should have class cameras in every classroom. And I got laughed out of the room and I'm like, see (laughs) a whole lot easier now, but different departments. And, uh, so I went, worked at home for a little bit because it, it was a, that time period where you just, we didn't have enough information. And so I, it was freaky to go to work, even though there was no one there in the hallways or anything like that. Um, and we would like, instructors would use rooms to teach at a distance. And then we'd go in and make sure everything worked and clean stuff. I became like, I opened up doors. I became essential. I was, I was like, I'm a doorman again, but not for a bar. Like people need to get into like classroom building. Oh, I got, I have access to every building. So, or my team did. So we'd have to open it up for them. There stuff like that was interesting. Um, but once we got that money, I went back to campus and things had, we learned a whole lot more. Um, and, but it was, I, it's so weird being on the University of Wyoming campus and it can be a Wednesday afternoon and you'll see four people and it, it's just, it's odd. And, and we're getting back to it. And I mean, I have one vaccine in me and about to get another one on this Thursday. So, um, and now we we're pulling off. We used, we're going to go, we were going to go all online uh, right after Easter, but they've changed that to make it all face-to-face for the rest of the semester. So Laramie's coming along probably faster in a lot of state or what I mean is because the low population. I mean, that's henceforth. Mm-hmm. We didn't have those gigano numbers like a lot of other states did. I mean, we had them proportionally, I think, but yeah. uh, it was, it was interesting to watch and see how people reacted here in Wyoming or like, you know, they were like, well, it's, it's easy here, but I'm like, just imagine living in Memphis. There's a gazillion <laughs> people. Like <laughs> it's not as easy and everybody's scary. Cause you don't know if they're sick or not, I mean, and you got kids and I have diabetes. So I, my immune system's compromised. So I'm very, was like, just, I don't want to die. Stay away from me. And <laughs> I mean, that's how I kind of, I was like, I don't want him in the hospital. I wasn't even going to go that far as like, I managed my diabetes pretty well, but I didn't think like going to restaurants and bars and doing reckless things was a good idea to go to the hospital for. So right. yes, there are certain things like, you know, if one of my parents got sick, I would want to go see them where, you know, in Vegas or Portland, I would break protocols to do something like that. Um, but otherwise it's been a, a long kind of just isolated for everyone, myself included, just home. I love my house. I don't think I got much of the, of the home improvements done. Cause I had to go back to work and mm-hmm. my partner, she works in, she owns a funeral home here. And so she, I mean, not busy with 
a lot of deaths from COVID, but people die no matter what. And, Mm -hmm. and so, but it's working around that issues. Like churches were way, way minimal capacity. Their, their place. And, and funerals want to make you hug people, Mm -hmm. comfort people. And it's just hard to do with the masks on and not touching. And um, I helped with a few and, and yeah, it's, it's, the industry has changed. I set it up with uh, zoom. So like, I mean, she has her own, her own uh, zoom uh, pro not profile, but account and everything. But mm-hmm. so she can go live with zoom, not live. Well, they do sometimes record stuff. And so funerals will probably be more uh, remote in future when we can't travel as much or we're learning this, these, these mm-hmm. things that, you know, there's no more probably snow days in Wyoming, even though we just had one. Um, so yeah, the, the huge three footer, like probably three feet here and there. It was crazy, but we had a snow day. But I was like, we could have easily all done school that day because mm-hmm. we all had the online stuff. Even though I wasn't, I was still digging all day Monday. And <laughs> uh, so yeah, it was uh, it was interesting to see how, what's going to come out of it and how we're going to handle our health in the future. Hopefully, we've learned some things. Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure about that. Uh, who knows? I mean, yeah. it, it, that's the thing. I think uh, every every once in a while we'll be talking to you know how geez, look at us now. You know, it's been a year, whatever it is. And I keep on saying, give us five years, and you know that's when usually in retrospect, you know, somebody's done the research and said this is exactly what they should have done. Uh, these numbers are were skewed because of this and. You know, if they took this precaution or they, you know, the mass, you know, really didn't do the, this much or they should have done mass, you know, it, you know, it usually takes about five years for, for things to develop because of research and all that stuff. But that's what I'm really looking forward to is, you know, what, what we could have, what we should have, what we did, what should have happened. But yeah, you know, at the other end too, I mean, you, you got to tip of your hat to all the the scientists, the, you know, the, the doctors, you know, first responders, everybody that's had their hand in trying to, you know, ward off the, the pandemic and get the vaccines out and, and the people that, you know, seriously, the people on the front line, I, even though that a lot of people are saying, gosh, you know, we really got to thank them all this stuff. We got to do more than that. But we got to, you know, thank teachers for, you know, especially those, uh, anybody that had to do any virtual and stuff like that. And plus, you know, the the biggest thing is, is that jobs now are going to be totally different because of type of uh, business structure that uh, people are finding at home. But if you take it into sports and, of course, you know, March Madness is going on and all that, um, uh, of course, the commentators, you know, your play by play and your color are there in uh, Indiana, uh, wherever site that it may be. But if you've been t- watching all the regular season, they're not there. They're not. Uh, we, when I was in FedEx Forum, we were six feet apart, even more than six feet apart. But the upstairs in, in the suites were where the radio broadcasts were doing. Uh, if anything, TV, those, the, the color and, and the play-by-play, they were remotely or zooming in to the broadcast. They weren't there physically. And you could tell the, the difference of the broadcast is that they would just talk, but they weren't talking about anything on the game. You're like going, there's a game going on, guys. Talk about the game. But it's hard. And, and I'm looking at my screen. And, you know, that's exactly they're just going, 
yeah, well, you see Lester Quinones. Oh, yeah, you spray. Okay. And then, then they'll talk about something else. Well, it's kind of, it's really hard just to do that type of broadcast. But, you know, as my dad said, he goes, you know, that's probably going to be how it's going to be. They're going to analyze that and say, you know, well, we can save so much money and not shipping out, you know, Jim Nance and Reggie Miller to certain, certain venue. They can actually do it remotely now. And so, um, yeah, again, that in five years, I want to see where we're at, yeah. you know, how much are we doing or how much, you know, are mask on and are we hugging each other? Are we giving fives? Uh, you know, are we breathing on each other? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think all of us are just, we're over it. We're all over it, but at the other end too, we're still being safe and that's, that's a good thing. And, you know, and we all have to, we have to take this very seriously. And so I'm, I'm glad that you got your first shot. I haven't got my shot and I'm, I'm just waiting for my time, but you know, it, good luck on your second shot. And hopefully you don't get uh, as infected as the other people. I have Pfizer was my, was my brand. Um, okay. So they say Moderna and our age is a kind of can be a butt kicker. I watched it with Tia, my girlfriend, like her second shot. Holy crap. She went to rip her arm off. It was painful. Uh, she never had the fever and stuff. Her coworker did have like those symptom size. Um, right. uh, it was sort of like really sort of touch. Like if I even barely grazed it, it was, it, she was mm. hurting. I had to like roll her into bed and such. So I was like, okay, I'm seeing my possible future right now. And I was like, <laughs> I'm willing to take it for the justify the ends of the means and stuff. And so um, once they got the second batch of vaccines out, I thought then Laramie got um, Pfizer and some people said they've gotten Johnson Johnson. I don't know about that one. And uh, so I'm getting the shot and I'm like asking all the questions. I was like, I've seen the other side of the Moderna and she's like, well, they're saying with uh, Pfizer, the first shot could be more painful, could be more worse than the second one. And I was like, all right. And I really didn't have any issues. It was kind of sort of touch, but it wasn't any of what I saw with Tia, thankfully. And uh-huh. so yeah, Thursday, uh, I was like, I knew, I told myself I should have taken Friday off, but I didn't, but I was like, I was fine after the first one. We'll play it by ear. Um, sure. Yeah. I want everyone to get the vaccines and such. It's um, to get back to doing what we do. Um, yes, with some slight adjustments. I, I do notice with the games, with the announcers that are watching on it on the same monitor I'm watching it on. And, yeah. and so they definitely are like, oh, that was a foul. No way. That went out of bounds. You know, I'm like, <laughs> oh, you're not even in the building. Like that's, I was like, you're not even in the building. And so it's, it's it, that's interesting. And, and um, but we really, if we're going to do stuff like that, then we have to uh, beef up our infrastructure, our internet, our, mm-hmm. our uh, nationwide needs just a gigantic overhaul um and maybe maybe these big companies are like well i'll have i'll I'll invest in the infrastructure just so i don't have to transit my people traveling all the time i mean that would be like kind of the way to do it um i don't know if you could publicly uh fund the infrastructure the internet and everything but i mean a lot europe's better china's better japan's better. like all these other countries are have so much better internet than we do and if we want to continue at this rate and be a beer first world country, we got to beef up the internet. Uh, I had to change companies mid podcast because well, we did because it was so bad at, at our house um, that we switched to the other company. And then I'm, it's also tied into the funeral home 
So I have like business speed internet. It's awesome. It's been great ever since uh, my yeah. connection side for the podcast. And so, but like everybody needs that kind of speed for their internet access, wherever you may be in the United States. I think it's just, we're, we're, we're there. We're ready to do this. So we need to definitely invest in the infrastructure so we can do stuff remotely, I guess. So you could live in Laramie, Wyoming. Oh yeah, not Laramie. We'll even go further, like 10 sleep Wyoming and call a basketball game in New York and not have to leave, which may drive the people to move to Wyoming, but I hope not. But um, <laughs> that kind of stuff is very possible and such. So yeah, I'm, I'm into five-year plan. I'm interested to see what comes out of this, how we handle things, how, um, what we've learned of anything <laughs> from it all. Um, I'm, I'm like, oh, I'm going to keep my mask close. Or I, I was thinking about putting my mask in a frame with, I had a positive, like false positive test. My my stuff there. I have my negative test. I'll probably put my vaccine in there. Like a, mm -hmm. a you know, just what happened. And I'm like, break glass if you need your mask back. You know, <laughs> I, I wore these these masks that the best I can way I can explain is Tom Cruise. Uh, there's a picture of him wearing it on the uh, set of Mission Impossible when he lost his mind on his on his employee, on the people that work in there, but it just had a picture of him standing there and he wears his mask, it has vents and such. And then people get a hard time, like talk about, oh, those have vents. And I'm like, it passes the candle test. The mat I can't blow anything out around me. And I go, Tom Cruise wears it. And <laughs> that guy's got, it, endorses it, I'm in. And so not like I'm the biggest Tom Cruise fan, but I was like, he cares about his health too. So uh, he's not going to put himself in harm's way like that. And he's like also the executive producer. So he's got to be the that set the tone for mission impossible and everything. So right. that's the kind of mask I've worn. I mean, I went out cause I got tired of the ones in the beginning where it's just all cloth. Now they got some better ones and such, or the, the doctor's one aren't as bad, but in the beginning I was like, Oh, I don't know if I could do this every day. There's gotta be a better option. And sure. this, these are nice and such. I got one last question for you. Sure. Ask this of everyone. Since the show's called all my friends, how uh, do we meet? Well, uh, the way, well, that's actually how we, because of our distance, uh, in high school, because I, I knew you through some other friends in high school, just because of me 95 and you, uh, 90, what'd you say? 92. 92. So, uh, I knew of you in high school, but I don't think that we crossed paths in high school. It was more, it was actually, it was uh, uh, in, in the college setting in, in Laramie that said we probably crossed paths. I'll be honest with you. I don't even remember the first time that I actually ran into you. But uh, I think we had more of a friendship um, because of, of course, the friends that we, we ran and our friendship actually built after uh well it it, it it seems like everything starts in love joys why why we always come back to love yeah but um uh after i had my time uh doing uh the the G dj and at uh, love joys and of course you frequent that when i was there and i frequent that when you were there that's pretty much how our friendship really really began and ever since i mean you've asked me to you know, do my top 10 list of, of okay. songs. You featured that. And I, I, I think that's the coolest. I, I really do. Because it, I, again, it's just like how you're doing this. 
you get to learn a lot uh, about people just, you know, we're, we're just talking. That's all we're doing is just you know, talk about our lives. And I'm, I'm glad that you're interjecting in, in uh, what's going on in your lives and what, what I'm explaining. So that, that helps. But, you know, the, the biggest thing is, is that here we are and here we are, you know, taking the time, you know, the, the hour, hour and a half, just, you know, talking about, how things are over here, how things are over the year, uh, over there. But that also shows how long of a friendship is, has been since, you know, uh, since, you know, uh, late nineties going in, into now. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's where it all started. Good old college days. College, yeah. That, those are definitely blurry. Um, <laughs> I do remember when the Colts, the Laramie Colts, Mm-hmm. I'm in year one and I interviewed you and I I'm I'm cutting together video and I'm I don't know how much video editing you've done. I've done so much in my life. A you little just, bit. A little bit just that I even have remember a phrase a guy said or that I've edited in like 90s or whatever, like because I ran it over so many times. He was the rodeo coach at UW and everything. And uh-huh. Pete Burns was his name and he had some great quotes and stuff. And you, I, I think I text you and I go, dude, you sound like Tiger Woods. Like, I can't get over this. I'm stuck. I'm stuck. You sound like Tiger Woods. And you go, your response was, I know it's uncanny. And yeah. I, was like, it, it was like, it's so true. And now I know people listening are going to be like, oh, you're so right. Like it just shattered people's uh, voice, you know, everything. So I do remember that. Cause I was like, ah, oh. and yeah, it, college was a blur but probably when i got more professional getting out of the blur and and seeing you and meeting you and talking to you and and work around the cults and love joys and well the industry um whatever entertainment um broadcasting uh you know keeps people close by and we, we've worked with a lot of the same people and such uh, along the way a lot yeah of course we're from laramie so we got a lot of the mutual friends and everything so yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's you're an easy guest to have on the show because you've had some, you've lived some life, you've done some <laughs> some things, and so it's very entertaining. When next thing we know, we're an hour and a half deep into it. So, <laughs> I want to thank you for being on the show. Well, I want to thank you for allowing me to be on the show. It's awesome. Jeff gave me a lot of praise during that interview, and I really didn't acknowledge it. I wanted to hear more about him. I loved hearing it, and I want to thank Jeff for his high praise. I want to make it out to Memphis so I can uh, hear him uh, growl again once on the mic. You know, It was great stuff when he was here at the University of Wyoming, even at Colts games. Uh, he has a very distinct PA voice. We just love it and miss it here in Laramie. Folks, I'm one step closer to hanging out in public again. I got my second Pfizer shot March 25th. So that was yesterday as this podcast comes out on Fridays. So I have about two weeks after that for it to truly become effective. So right around the 8th of April, I'll be ready to hang out in bars again, go to concerts. We're going to uh, summer camp festival in August. So I think everybody's going to be uh, well vaccinated by then, but we all still need to get on board with it. Get your friends on board, get them 
in the right direction, we make sure everybody gets vaccinated, then we don't have to wear masks anymore. Be the solution. On to the next episode.